Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 76, Karen Rose on Spiritual Herbalism, Ancestral Healing, and Astrology. We are so excited to have Karen on the podcast today. And we get to speak with her about her new book, Spiritual Herbalism, about always being surrounded with plants and plant work, why the story is so important, and how every part of the healing process is important. We talk about the importance of connecting with your ancestors by speaking with your parents and grandparents, and how to heal those deep wounds and traumas that may have happened generations ago. We had a lovely time with Karen, and I hope you enjoy the episode. And before we begin the episode, I just wanted to share a really cool event that's coming up in about two weeks. It'll be on Earth Day and the few days around Earth Day, so April 21st through the 24th. And it's called the One Summit, or Women Working for the Earth. And this is a gathering of 30-plus amazing and inspiring women leaders who are going to be presenting on their unique way of working with nature and working with the earth. A lot of them are activists and authors and healers, and they come from all parts of the globe and all walks of life. And it's going to be a really interesting weekend to just listen to their wisdom. And I definitely know how I'm going to be spending my Earth Day. And I hope that you all will check it out and do the same. It's a it's a free event to join live and if you'd like to purchase the recordings, it's under $70 for all of the speakers recordings for lifetime access and if you use our affiliate link, then you'll be supporting this show as well as supporting the event itself. So, we encourage you to do that. The link will be in the description of this episode and next week's episode and then We'll see you all live there at the One Summit. I absolutely loved this hour that we got to spend in Karen Rose's presence, and I know you will all too, so thank you all so much for your support for the show, for listening, and for sharing with your friends, and for supporting us over at patreon.com slash plantcunning as well. Enjoy the episode. Today we have Karen Rose on the Plant Cunning Podcast, and we are so thrilled to speak with you today. So how are you, Karen, starting out? I am good. I am good. I'm, as I was just saying, I can't wait for the winter to be over and <laughs> like see plants come in again. I guess that's what I'm waiting for mostly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. We're both in New York here in New York City. We're in the country, but yeah, we're both very excited about spring as well. Yeah, we got teased so hard. It was like spring and then, oh, it's like 20 degrees and a foot of snow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've been I've been following you on social media for a long time. You have the beautiful Sacred Vibes Apothecary. You have a new spice shop in the city. You do um, an herb school, an herb conference. And you've just written this amazing book, The Art and Practice of Spiritual Herbalism. And Isaac and I have just been enjoying it and sharing it with our guests that have come over. Um, It's just such a beautiful book. And um, I guess I should start with our traditional first question. Um, How did you come to the plant path? 
And so thank you uh, for talking about the book and sharing it with people and reading it. Um, the plant path, you know, well, I want to start by saying, you know, people are always like, oh, so you're an herbalist, so you changed your name to Rose. And I'm like, mm, actually, not. <laughs> actually not. My family's name has been Rose, you know, so I'm not one of those herbalists who's like, now call me Heather, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> the, plant, the plant name has always, the family name has always been Rose. So I feel in a lot of ways that the plant chose me, like the, the plant walk chose my generation to come through. And um, so when I think about the start, I definitely have to credit my grandmother um, and my grandfather, um, my grandmother and my mom's side, my grandfather and my father's side, who were both plant people. And so people who use plants to heal spiritual things that were happening in their community, as well as physical things that were happening with their community. So, you know, I came to it just being born into that family is what, yeah. you know, I'd like, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So, um, so you grew up around like plants and around, you know, um, healing, the spiritual, yeah. like yeah. the healing path. That's, that's really cool. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So when did, when did you decide to, uh, become an herbalist, like full time, like mm -hmm. as your, as your, uh, profession or, you know, purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and that's another thing. So like my grandmother was <clears throat> always a plant healer, but we didn't have, you know, I say in the book and I, when I speak, I say, you know, we didn't have a name for my grandma. We, she was just known in the community as the person that you would go to, to, take care of whatever. Um, but most people in the community also had a knowledge, right? They had uh, plant knowledge. You know, I talked about how plant knowledge was kind of passed on, like how people prepare you to be an adult. <laughs> kind of like, oh, you should probably know a few meals before you move out of this house. Yeah. It was kind of the same thing. Like you should probably know a few plant medicines if you're going to have a family. You should probably know what this plant is for if you're going to have a home and a yard. And, and, you know, they would say, well, yeah, you could grow this plant for food. But also, do you know, and it's the same way still when I go back and visit the Caribbean, they're always like, yeah, this plant could be used like this. But do you know that it also helps this and that it does this? So it was like this teaching that was always happening. We didn't have a name like, oh, you're studying herbalism. It was just kind of this overall teaching that they felt was so important for us to learn. So. I, I say that my teaching or my walk in, as an herbalist began quite like, in, it was like intrinsic to my growth. However, when I came to the U.S. and I had my own child, uh, Lauren, and I wanted to like use plant medicine with her, I realized that so much of my knowledge was on plants back home mm -hmm. and not plants here in, in that existed in the Western, you know, world. So that is when I went back to school to study herbalism and uh, was like West, what we call Western herbalism and started to identify the plants that grew around me and how to use them. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. But there's a, a lot of differences between like tropical 
Caribbean and New York. Yeah. <laughs> and at that time, it was funny because I was living in Arizona. So I was living in the oh, desert I and I was calling my grandmother who Guyana, where I um, is my home country, is on the equator. It's next to Brazil and Venezuela mm-hmm. and Suriname. So we're right on the equator. Mm-hmm. And so my grandmother would talk about these plants. And I was like, I'm in the desert, the equator and the desert, not the same thing. <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah very like arid dry like yeah, cacti and stuff yeah, manzanilla and mm. you know brittle bush and chaparral versus, oh, yeah. yeah versus like you know equator rainforest you know um plants that you're like succulent and full and then it's totally different uh climate yeah and i think that's important too like you talk about in your book and and i, I I've, we've talked about this a lot over, you know, over the episodes is like how important it is to be part of your local ecosystem and like know the plants that grow around you and use those instead of relying on like exotic herbs from halfway across the world. But yeah, so um, then you had to change again to, to move to New York too. So when did that happen? Well, you know, I, when we immigrated, I immigrated to New York. So I was, you know, I call myself a Brooklynite because I was 14 and I, you know, I grew up here pretty much. So Brooklyn is like my, my home in the Americas. I I somehow got up when I was 21 and was like, I'm moving to Arizona (laughs) as all, you know, 18 year old, like after school, you're like, I want to see something completely different. Right. And then you get to Arizona and then you have children and you realize that you're alone. Like my parents are here, my sisters are here. And I'm like, Oh, this is hard. You know? And they're all like, you could come home. You know, (laughs) So that's kind of like what happened with me moving back to New York, but it was this, reconnection that my soul needed so much you know you my my um my stint at like I want to be independent I want to try to it was over I I completely realized how much I needed my parents how much I needed community um how important it was for me to raise my children in Flatbush Brooklyn um so that they can be in touch with like their Caribbean heritage because that wasn't uh, that wasn't you know something that I could find out in Arizona like I wanted to be in raise my children in the community in which I grew up in which is like a heavily Caribbean community very diverse um you know, we have accessibility to lots of like medicines that come in from the Caribbean and that, you know, that opportunity here in Brooklyn. So yeah, it was a move that was like ordained <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, sometimes you got to do that, you know, like got to go out somewhere far away to find out what, you know, the importance of home. <laughs> It is so true. It is so true. Because I mean, I missed it. I would always say, oh, the, the food, you know, <laughs> I missed it completely. Mm-hmm. So um, to go back a little bit to your book, what was the inspiration for writing uh, the art and practice of spiritual herbalism for you? I think that inspiration for me was my apprenticeship program. Um, when I came back to Brooklyn and I opened up Sacred Vibes Apothecary, I started an apprenticeship program. Well, before I started an apprenticeship program, I was teaching another apprenticeship program uh, um, with someone, some other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember like talking about spirit in one class and someone was like, oh, I came here to learn about plants, not about spirit. And I was <laughs> like, well then you know (laughs) this may not be so even then I feel like the ancestors were at work like kind of like yeah this is what you want to do but find your own 
space, you know, find your own way that you can really teach from what you truly believe. And I truly believe that plants are spiritual beings. I, that is an, you know, that's um, something I'd always been raised with. I've witnessed it since I was a child. It's been used on me as uh, spiritual medicines from plants have been used for my personal healing. So it was really difficult to divorce the two. Um, So I knew at that moment that I needed to create a space where I could like educate like-minded people about how plants being a spiritual entity and us being a spiritual entity how we can achieve the miracle that's called healing, right? And um, so the work of this apprenticeship for over the last 12 years is what's really in that book, mm-hmm. is this gathering of information and this, um, yeah, this ability now that, that I knew that this book would reach an audience that I uh, was much wider than who I could teach, but people were still wanting that same information because- through my apprentices program, I was finding folks that was like, I always believed that my grandma practiced that, my grandfather, my aunt practiced that. So many people would say, this is our ancestral practice. And I, I knew this was true and I needed something to connect to it. And so it was like, this book was written for those folks who were like, who are hunger, hungry for that information and that connection back to their own lineage and the truth that we know about these medicines. Mm, very, very beautiful. Um, yeah, it's definitely hard to divorce the, the spiritual nature of plants and just, you know, focus on the plant constituents and how they can help the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's one thing that I really liked about the book is that you're incorporating you know, so many different aspects of how you as a healer operate, um, the spiritual side, the emotional side, the ancestral side, astrology, all these different systems. Mm -hmm. Um, and one example, I mean, you start with the heart, you start with the circulatory system. So I'm wondering if you can dive in a little bit deeper to describe the spiritual healing that can happen for somebody around the heart, around the circulatory system, the plants that you work with. Um, the Orishas that you work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I um that that chapter specifically is like really close to me because my mom has had heart issues. My mom's sister had passed away from heart failure when she was 50. So, you know, seeing these things in my family, I definitely was like, well, how do I prevent these things from happening with me or at least shore up some of my own ways of, you know, of how I was feeling, especially having a daughter and not wanting to like this to travel through lineages. And I believe the things that are hereditary are spiritually hereditary too. Like we can't say like, oh, you know, my eyes look like my mom or my smile looks like my mom or, you know, the way I move my hand looks like the way my dad talks Mm -hmm. and not realize that we're also inheriting spiritual things that has been happening with them too, right? Um, In their generation, in their lineage. And so this became really clear to me while working with my mother, because I then began to understand that other people in her family also had heart issues. And it was like the women in the family, this maternal lineage. So I was looking at it like, okay, what are some things that I could use to help? Well, of course, Hawthorne, right? I could use Hawthorne to help my heart. Um, But also, 
Hawthorne is not just about the way in which it helps to like shore up our blood vessels, you know, and strengthen our circulatory system. Hawthorne is also about the protection that we need. Hawthorne is also about acting courageously and loving and having this open heart and trust, right? You know, and I began to realize that um, the protection that's necessary for your heart is demonstrated quite clearly with the thorns that are in Hawthorne or Rose or any of the Rosacea family, which all benefit the heart. And all of them have thorns, which is like this deep, a soft beauty, but this deep, soft opening and beauty that needs to be protected. And I think that, you know, when I speak personally about my family, I realize that the women in that lineage would overuse their heart in many ways, like give beyond, like have this heart that is so open that they take in things that many of us would never take in or like uh, open their hearts so widely without the protection that they needed. But also when they got hurt, their default was to completely close their heart to live these really cold, uninvolved lives after being hurt. Um, and so there needed to be some way that we can allow ourselves to live with an open heart and still feel protected and not feel that we need to close our heart off because of the hurt that, that's encompassing. We're going to get hurt over and over again. It's not, you know, that's the one thing we're kind of sure of is that we will be hurt again in this lifetime <laughs> um, and then but not using that as uh as a i don't want to say excuse but not using that as the reason to close our heart off and live these cold cold cold-hearted um disconnected from our heart kind of lives and so i felt that you know that chapter talked a lot about like keep opening your heart, how important it is physically to keep letting love in, to keep the heart itself is an organ that's like, you know, it's about opening and closing, giving and receiving, circulating. And the moments that we're like, nope, nope, we're going to lock this off, close this off. The body literally gets that message, right? Um, to shut that function down and to harden ulterior sclerosis is like the number one cause of ill um of death especially within women of color in the united states and that hardening of the heart can happen because of a number of reasons for for a number of hurts that we're facing and um doing the emotional and the spiritual work to keep that open i think is the biggest part of where we could find healing mm, yeah and and that the focusing on the protective aspect too, I think is so important. And something I realized while reading this because like, I always see the heart as solar. You talk about that too, but the, some of the herbs you, you use in there have a very uh, martial mm -hmm. aspect, you know, garlic and cayenne are very Mars, red, fiery, hot, um, spicy, <laughs> you know, yes, yes, keeps yes. the circulation going, but it's also protective. That's absolutely absolutely and and so that's how come i you know it's parallel to the Yusha, the orisha ogun who mm. is this warrior and this fighter and this protector and um but ogun is also known as the peacekeeper mm. um because sometimes you know the ways in which we keep boundaries has to come from you know us being able to say enough you know like the ways in which ogun demonstrates his strength is also by knowing and trusting the self so i think that's super important that we can have you know 
this energy of the sun, this bright, this bright light, but that bright light also needs protection. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really loved how you started with the heart. I mean, I know there's personal reasons too, but there also like, as you mentioned, I mean, heart disease is the leading cause of death in the US. Mm -hmm. um, but even like going back to, I've been reading uh, Blagrave's Physic. He was a 17th century English astrological herbalist. And he always started with solar herbs and solar, you know, amulets, basically. Uh, with, and every cure, you know, he starts with the heart and with, with, with the sun. Mm. And, I, and I think it's, it, it's just, it just points that that is to how important that is, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely, I agree. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the heart is just, it's like the, the center of, of your physical body but it's also like it's it's one of those things are where even in contemporary western industrialized culture is is notice is seen as more than just physical yeah <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely hence all the love songs <laughs> and everything designed around love it's definitely more than just physical and it's that reminder you know that we can't be in discontent and unhappiness and have healthy hearts like it's, yeah. yeah totally i'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more to how it works to inherit ancestral heart pain or ancestral trauma or like how you know how do you perceive that that um happens and how do you relate to your ancestors and how can we get in touch with the with healing those traumas mm -hmm. well the indigenous always believe any indigenous culture that you study always believe that we're just not here on our own merit like we are here because of the ancestors. We've been chosen to be here because of the ancestors. Why did our ancestors choose us at this time? A lot of it is to do the work, to complete the work that they begun, right? To, to begin to see how we can heal, um, whether it's them dying without getting the forgiveness they needed or them passing without having the conversations with their families that they needed. Like, it's our turn, right? And so I definitely believe like one of the ways in which we inherit these things is that message. It's in our DNA. Our DNA just comes in with the message about what is necessary for us to heal in this time. What happens is then those things begin to come up and we start to heal them. But one tangible way I really look at this is as we get older, you, it's not, it's, it never fails. Someone is going to say, oh, you really remind me of your mom or <laughs> your mom, your mom would have answered that the same way you did. Or yeah, you sound like, you know, my kids will be like, you sound just like grandma. And sometimes I'm like horrified, right? Because <laughs> that's the same thing I don't like in my mom. And my kids will be like, yeah. you sound just like grandma. And in those moments, in those moments, I realized that I'm still holding on to the same pattern. I'm still carrying the same pattern. Mm -hmm. And it's it, making a conscious choice about that is really deep. Sometimes mm -hmm. children don't even live with their parents and yet they emulate right, their parents in so many ways. Sometimes the very, like I said, the very thing that we despise, we suddenly find ourselves like doing when we're in relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments, the, our, our consciousness could cause us this pause and say, you know, this is some healing that still needs to happen. 
and where, how, why, you know, for me, it's asking the question of like, okay, so if this is showing up in me and this is showing up in my mom, like this probably showed up in my grandmother too. And where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? What's the story that's like behind that? And you notice in the book, I talk about getting our parents to talk to us about some of those stories, mm -hmm. because I think it's important to be like, well, and, you know, I felt that was important, especially for me when addressing the heart. I was like, well, who else had heart disease and what really was happening in their lives? And, you know, and so my mom started remembering so much about like, oh yes, this was happening. And we traced it back to these incredible heartbreaks that kept happening um, along the lineage. And, you know, um, me now taking that on and saying, I'm going to work on my heart and I'm going to work to strengthen my heart and I'm going to work for forgiveness for the heartbreaks that happened to me heals them because it heals generation backwards and it heals generations forwards. And, um, and also it was important for me to do this with my daughter um, because it was about healing her babies that are, that, you know, that could possibly be coming too. Yeah. It wasn't just for me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important too, because I mean, going back to indigenous wisdom is there's always thinking about the generations to come, the generations mm -hmm. behind and the generations to come and seeing yourself as part of this, uh, just a part of a, of a, of a living <laughs> lineage. Yes, it's all circular. You know, it's all circular. Many indigenous babies, when they're born, we ask, like, who are you? Who has come forth um, this time? Believing that our ancestors are coming again through these new new beings that are coming. They're, they're, they're connected to the ancestors who had lived before. So it's like, why are you coming forth again is, is important also to, to take a look at. That's part of your, you know, why you're here. Mm. Yeah, one part of, of your book, you talk about how um, female bodies, like we have all of the eggs in our ovaries of our daughters and therefore our granddaughters like inside of us at one time. And so it makes sense, like physically, like if something happens to our grandmother, well, our, you know, seed of being was in them you know, it's literally in our DNA. Like you said, it's like passed down. Um, Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just so wild to think about. <laughs> oh, it is so wild to think about because then, you know, and, and so, so many of my students will say I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> like just thinking about it, I'm completely overwhelmed because now I'm not even for like, I'm, you know, I have my healing to do and now I have all this other healing and I, and I say to them, it's one in the same. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Feel like you have to go back and heal your grandmother's life, but it's the same as you healing your life. It rever it revert, you know, um, what is that word I'm looking for? Reverberates, is that what you're saying? Yes, reverberates <laughs> backwards too yeah. and forward. It doesn't, it is not just like, oh, now I got to do this work of healing my grandmother. It's the same healing. It's the same healing. And it's also, like I said, it's, it's also you know, providing or having the, the next generation witness your healing too, that's already preparing them mm -hmm, to do, you know, less of their own. Right. Like what you said about how important it was for your daughter to be with you when you were having these conversations with your mother. Yeah. Yeah. And the healing work. And, you know, yeah. I think it's so difficult because, you know, um, I feel like my mom's generation 
there are many, there are many uh, reasons why, but they were really, a, um, my mom's generation was really a generation that held a lot of secrets. And yeah. even, you know, and I find that when I teach and I, I speak, you know, when I speak to my students, they're like, yes, it's really difficult to, to get my mom to talk. They're like, what's <laughs> done is done. There's no need to rehash that. You know, some people just are like, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, it's hard to get those conversations <laughs> to open. And I, you know, so it's a necessary part of this healing is, is getting those conversations to open up. So when they are open, I take full advantage of it. I'm like, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> what could you remember that can help us? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really smart. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep that in mind for those rare occasions when I really dive can dive in deep with my grandmothers and well it's yeah. also so important to like take the opportunities to speak with your elders because they're not going to be there forever you know absolutely absolutely and and you know it's so funny the some of the stories that is you know i could talk to my dad and every time i sit with my dad it's a different story that i need to hear and i'm like how come you didn't tell me that before <laughs> <laughs> and he's like well you know it just came I, I don't know it just came up so it's like the older they get the more they like kind of share a bit about their you know they they remember like they remember the past clearer than they remember the present you know so mm -hmm. I'm like tell me all about your childhood now is definitely the time um to sit with them yeah mm -hmm. yeah I'm just thinking now about like my granddad and like recognizing things in myself that he like problems that he had and 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 then thinking back to like you know I'll, I'll i'll be able to talk to him you know next year like you know and then and then he died you know at like it is early 70s so it's yeah. like you know <laughs> just you, yeah. know, you don't have to, don't have the time <laughs> yeah you don't and i went you know and that's what my grandma we my grandmother had come up from guyana to live with us um for a little while while i was in my late 20s like mm -hmm. I, I had gone to the other side of the country and mm -hmm. i remember coming back to new york and my grandma would be there and i would just so one one year i was just like and i had started to study herbalism I just sat with like a pen and a paper and just asked my grandmother some things about our family history. And my mom, even now when I'm like, mom, but no, this happened. She's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, granny told me, and she, you know, she would say to me, like, she told you that I cannot believe my, and I was like, yeah, because no one really was like really asking those questions so she wasn't really answering them but now you know now that she had someone with her who was like so interested yeah. in in these questions she was like answering those questions so I think it's also like like you said like Isaac like recognizing the time that we have and how limited it is and then like really asking them questions and recording them or writing it down or yeah. you know mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a way to circumvent uh, the your mom's generation that doesn't want to talk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, knowing the right questions to ask is also so important. Yes, absolutely. And opening it, just like tell me your story on this, you know, and it's not like to be so directing the conversation, but let the conversation just flow. Mm. I also feel like you talked about connection to ancestors. I think that's another thing. It's like, you know, going, 
before our ancestors and asking them what they think we should know and not to be so like, tell me, tell me about plants, you know, but rather tell me about the story. Tell me about the story that created, help me dream about the story. Help me, you know, understand the story that connected you to this plant. What caused you to want to work with this plant? How did, how did it show up for you instead of having this, uh, you know, this, this, this uh, preconceived notion of what we want to hear from the ancestors, because oftentimes it's not going to come that way. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And well, yeah, I mean, it seems one of the aspects, one of the things that makes spiritual herbalism, spiritual herbalism is how interconnected all the things are. Like you can't separate the story from the plant and the healing, you know, it's all kind of part of the same process. Absolutely. And that's the remembrance piece, right? That's the piece that we talk to folks about, like, how are you, you know, for me, it's like, I tell my students, I'm like, we're studying, you know, a hundred different materia medica in our apprenticeship program by the time you graduate. But I really want you to find a plant that you will remember forever, like mm. forever that you can pass on to your children and their children. And, and this remembrance piece is, is, it's about the story. It's about the connection. Um, to yeah. The plant. Mm. yeah. I think that's so crucial too, is like diving deep into one, you know, like ally, you know, it's like they talk about like uh, digging holes. You can dig a lot of shallow holes or dig like one deep hole, but you got to hit, if you want to hit water, you got to, <laughs> Mm. big one hole <laughs> right and keep going yeah keep going right but yeah i mean i i sometimes have that problem and you know my my astrological chart like kind of points in that way you know with sagittarius and gemini and so on but like i like to get, dabble in a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but but like really like uh, focusing on like one plant either at a time or, you know, over a long period of time, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. We actually had a conversation with one of your students last year um, about how she found Rose. Who and, was this? Um, Fine. Yeah, it was Anjanae Ange- Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Anjanae Wilson, yes. Oh, Anjanae, yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she embodied Rose, like, oh. ah all on full on (laughs) like I actually had a moment um when she was speaking of like connecting with like the spirit of Rose where I felt like I was on like an entheogen or something yes yes. Um, and I I was was like wow you just you just jumped fully like every time she'd walk in I was like you look more and more like Rose what is it about you you know like uh she fully like embodied it yeah totally and then now she has an herb business rose gold alchemy and well it should be called right (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah uh do you do you have any uh stories like that of about like um one particular plant that you got deeply involved with I definitely would say Hawthorne. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I think there are two. Um, uh, uh, Hawthorne, you know, the reason I got so deeply involved with Hawthorne also is that I live next to Prospect Park and there are a bunch of Hawthorne trees there. And mm-hmm. I have a favorite Hawthorne tree out in the park. And just to be under a Hawthorne tree, it's quite magical. It's just like incredibly <laughs> magical. And um, so I, so I think the plants that live within your ecosystem or live near you are how you can fall in love with these plants too, like by visiting them, knowing each aspect of their season, 
Um, knowing like when it's without leaves, knowing when the leaves come in, knowing when um, the flowers will come in, knowing when the berries will come in, knowing about the thorns <laughs> that you have to be careful about, right? Um, and and the, it's so delicious too, the hawthorn yeah. medicine. And so, yeah, that's that's a plant that I think like I embody in, in, in many ways, mm -hmm. including the thorns. Um, Rose, yeah. of course, because it's my namesake. Mm -hmm. I mean, my goodness, it's like so beautiful to be around a rose plant. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think of holy basil or tulsi because oh. that's a plant that's like um, indigenous to the land um, in Guyana. Um, it, it, you know, it grew where I grew up and around me and I could still mm. smell it and I could still, um, you know, see it in people's front yards or how they would gather it for um, their spiritual practices and just everywhere. When I go home, it's one of the plants that come that I go greet first, you know, wow. as I land there um, on the soil, that smell. Um, it's just incredible. So yeah, yeah, yeah I the, love holy basil. <laughs> those are all really powerful plants too. I mean, like Tulsi is venerated as a goddess in India. Mm. Rose is, I, I think it's like the Western Lotus, you know, like the mm. importance <laughs> of the spiritual potency. Um, and then Hawthorne, like, Wow. I mean, <laughs> I, I just think back to what us, I've been, you know, learning like old Scottish and English ballads and so on. There's one about true Thomas who um, sits under a Hawthorne tree and then gets abducted by fairies, you know, <laughs> but, but there's like that lore goes way back about yeah. how, you know, being in the, like a Hawthorne is a portal <laughs> tree. Yes. I, I feel it. I feel it. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. So then, you know, we were talking about the heart and the circulatory system, and I often will associate grief with the heart. And I mean, I think that makes sense, but you also bring up the point that the respiratory system and our respiratory health is intrinsically linked with grief. And I'm wondering if you can describe that and, and talk a little bit about how, how the respiratory system and grief are, are linked. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you, well, it's not, I think I know that our lungs store so much of our unexpressed grief and um, our breath is so connected to expression. Um, you know, I, I talk about in the book, like sometimes when something hits you, the first thing that goes is your breath. Like you get some sad news and you're like, I am completely out of breath. A lot of people who are anxious are completely out of breath, right? All of these things are tied to so much of our emotions and especially those that we struggle to express, including the voice. Like um, sometimes we have to breathe before we speak or like get grounded in our breath before we can say something that's difficult to say. Um, you know, the breath is connected to that. And so, I, you know, throughout the lineage of like people with asthma or people with chronic bronchitis, you know, I talk to them about like, what are you wanting to say? What are you not saying? What's not coming right now? What is, you know, keeps, what do you keep holding here in your chest that's making it so heavy and tight, right? And how to gain that expression. And of course, the plants that I love are like mullein to soften, you know, that, that, soften that grief that you might be holding that long outdated grief Ella campaign right to like expel you know <laughs> literally bring it up um 
out of the chest um, are two of the herbs that I talk about when I talk about healing the lungs. Yeah, I've, I've definitely, I have seen that, you know, firsthand with people who are, are in, in the grief, like on the grief train, experiencing it on the regular, like they are more susceptible to lung infections or they're just crying so much and there's so much mucus and yeah, the, the elegant pain to like help expectorate and like get that out has been such an ally. Um, and it does make sense to me that like, now that you like have spelled it out for me in your book, that it's like unexpressed grief gets caught in our lungs. And yeah, those, those two herbs are amazing allies just to support it. Um, so yeah, thank you for bringing that like to my, to my attention, you know, through the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, I just want to say one thing about your book too, is that you, it, it offers, um, like not only a whole picture of spiritual herbalism and of healing, but it has like some great recipes and amazing illustrations and the photos of you are so beautiful. It just like, it makes me feel like I'm with you in your, in your apothecary space, you know, like mixing up some medicines. Um, and I just want to just acknowledge that and just tell you how, how much I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted it to feel like really accessible for people who didn't even try herbalism before. Yeah. I, I also wanted it to be like, you know, um, I tell people I wanted, I didn't want someone to like have to read through the whole book at once. Like I wanted mm-hmm. them to be like, they can, a, a, a chapter can and, encapsulate yeah. your experience and then you can come back to it at another time. So I tried to like put the recipes with the chapter. So kind of like try this and then see how it works through your body. Because here we're talking about healing some deeply held things, right? We're talking about healing ancestral trauma, your own trauma. And so you may need some, you may need some time to process in between and then come back to it before you take on another (laughs) body system and and all the healing that has to happen there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And everyone's got kind of a different problem that they're experiencing, you know, it might, something might jump out to them about the respiratory system or the heart, or that's one of the things I really like about the book too, is how it was uh, put together. Like you, you have like the respiratory, like the, the body system, the like spiritual influences, astrology, the um, Arishas, and then like the actual, like, you know, the technical information and the plants, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, A deep dive, a deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I really like combining astrology and herbalism and um, it seems like you do too. You know, we've been watching some of your stuff on Instagram. You know, you always talk about like the, the astral weather, mm. um, but I'm interested to know like how you, you know, how you came to astrology and how you came to um, put them together. Herbalism. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so herbalism, I studied herbalism first. I did in, in my herbalism practice, I had a, 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 an astrology lesson in my herbalism practice. And that lesson was all I needed. I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is everything. It explains everything um, about so much about what I want to know about these plants and how and how and why my grandfather only did certain work on full moon or my grandfather did only certain work on like the, the new and rising moon or like the waning moon, why it was so important to my grandmother, like all of these things. I was like, 
oh, you know, like this, this, this makes total sense about why. So I had, um, when I came back to New York, um, I had a, an astrology teacher. Like I started to study on my own before. And then, well, she, 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 up to this day, she wouldn't call herself my teacher, but I call her my mentor and her name is Elaine. And I, I had gone to her for a reading and we just spent, I don't know, maybe six hours my first reading because we could stop talking about the <laughs> planets and how this, this formula then makes sense. And I started to create formulary based on where the planets were and where the, and it just, it grew deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the work. And, um, you know, I tell everyone now, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I, I study two things that will, that never has an end. I study herbalism and I study astrology and I will be studying for the rest of my life. So <laughs> even though I've been studying astrology now for almost 20 something years, I'm still like, I feel like every time I'm at the beginning, cause someone will say something like, do you know about this new, new, um, you know, um, planet that we've discovered or this new asteroid, or I'm just like, oh, I'll never be done. Um, and it's the same with plants. You know, I never feel like I'm ever, because I go home and I tell people I'm a novice when I go home. I'm, you know, I'm maybe, but you, you know, folks will be like, Karen Rose, master herbalist here. And then I go home and I'm like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> what is this thing, you know, growing here? And they're like, oh, that plant, oh, that's for this, you know, it's like, it will be endless as you know, when I go to Jamaica, I go anywhere else. I'm always like learning mm. back at the stage of like, you know, yeah. And I love that. I love to always learn. Yeah. Me too. Totally. <laughs> Me <It's> too. <laughs> yeah. They're, you know, they say like when you stop learning is when you, you die is basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's keep going. <laughs> right. Totally. And yeah, astrology and herbalism really can, you can just keep going on forever. And like, you always learn new things, but then they're like always like translating some ancient texts. That were, <laughs> Yeah. I know. And that's how actually my mentor teaches often. She'll uh -huh. teach you just enough and then she'll like recommend 20 books. And I'm like, I don't have time. Like, <laughs> I'm, I don't have time to do all of this, you know? And when you go back, she's like asking, like, did you? And, and, and you know, she she's uh, a native of this land. She's an indigenous Blackfoot uh, woman. And she will say to me, like, you know, she also is like, and, and then did you notice that this was happening? This, this thing in the news was happening because of this transit. And I'm like, I can't, you know, <laughs> I'm like, if only I could get where you are. <laughs> yeah. There's so many components. <laughs> you got to pay attention. Right. And she's made it her life, you know? So she's yeah. like, it's really beautiful to watch. Well, one of the nice things about both of those is that like there's all the theoretical knowledge and all the book learning, but when it really comes down to it, it's the practical experience, like doing exactly. charts, like looking at transits, like looking at all that stuff and like, like and actually healing people. <laughs> yeah, and then it becomes, and it's all, it's also magical when you can like feel it, like, oh, it like all be, you know, like all the parts of it just becomes like to comes together at once and you feel that inside like yes you know these planets exist in our bodies right so you know many times i'm like yeah i could teach you about the planets but i can also teach you about the aspects of how it shows up in your body and i think that's when we really begin to feel it not just in our heads but we really begin to feel the planets and the aspects internally 
um, just like medicine, like we could talk to you about a plant for forever. I can tell you all the aspects of raspberry, but you, if you took it for two weeks, that's your best understanding. Like, you know, I'm like, all right, well, yeah, you know, sitting with raspberry for a while and drinking that medicine, I could say, I could tell you what a tannin is and I could tell you what tannins do, but once you feel a tannin and you feel what it does, I don't have to tell you that much about it anymore. Totally. Or like valerian, you can explain, yeah, valerian kind of smells like uh, this or tastes like that. But then when you actually tincture of it or smell a fresh root, you're like, oh, I'm never going to not know what valerian smells like. (laughs) And that's why, you know, oftentimes when it comes to constituents of plants, I'm like, let me, the way I could teach this is to show you better than to teach you about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but also, also like recognizing like what flavors and smell like what what is happening to your body and your senses and uh attaching that to like the labels like astringent or absolutely aromatic absolutely and that is off that's it that's it that's like the way and that's why you know we can have as many and i i feel like that oftentimes we can have as many courses as we want but it's actually getting people to experience these plants themselves that really brings about the the that part about the remembrance and this learning that's so deep that's going to continue on hmm. yeah because for a long time you know i i even studying chinese medicine i was like what does pungent mean? <laughs> like, you can't really describe pungent to me until I know I smell pungent, you know? It's just a word. It's like acrid. Yeah. Okay, yeah, great, wonderful. But like, until I feel it, I'm like, oh, that's pungent. Now I know. I know I smell what pungent means. Yeah. Totally. You need the experience to like back up just the new word. Absolutely. Yeah. Understanding. Kind of like the ineffability of everyday life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So we're, we're coming up on our hour and I'm wondering if you could describe a little bit more um, about your apprenticeship program and like, what is it like to study with you? Like what, um, what, ha- like, what did you do differently from the apprenticeship program that you're working f- for when you first started out and you're, you decided in that moment, like, I need to start my own program. Like, what is it like to, to be in one of your, to be an apprentice? Um. Well, I think the first thing, so what is it like being an apprentice of mine? I would probably ask an apprentice before me because I could probably, <laughs> well, it's great. And they'll be like, no, nah, she, no. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's I, I think it's, it's, it's both sides of it. Um, I could tell you that it's the, my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing to do is to teach and to educate new herbalists. And, um, you know, I'm a storyteller and I teach from an ancestral perspective and I bring my ancestors into the room every time. And we concentrate a lot about the spiritual aspects of herbalism. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I love the science behind herbalism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't, uh, people will, come on to my apprenticeship program thinking that, you know, we're just going to sit and tell stories. And then I'm like giving tests and I'm like, you need to know your, you know, what are the, um, what are the actions and properties of all these plants? What are the, was the anatomy and physiology of the body? And folks are like, oh, you know, a little shock. So they come in, I'm, I'm, you know, um, I think I would consider myself a strict teacher. Um, uh, uh, in 
in the ways, in all the ways that, that really should matter. Like if you're going to work on people, these are the things you probably should know. <laughs> and these are the things that you're not going to get out of this program without, like, you're not going to graduate if you don't know and you don't complete. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not willing to be like, oh, you're a sacred herbalist without these work, without this work being done. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's, that's, probably what an apprenticeship apprentice would probably say I think anytime you take on uh, a learning this deep and in depth uh, a spiritual herbalism journey it will be life-changing it changes your life because then you have to of course it's life-changing if you're going to have these deep conversations that we just talked about that you're going to have those conversations with your mother and your father and people around you your life is going to change your relationships are going to shift and change and you're going to demand more and you know things are going to happen right in your life um so that's an that's an expectation also um so yeah the apprenticeship program i feel it's the level one and two are about a year long and level three is another year so it's like uh, i i generally say about two and a half years with me mm-hmm. um it's the apprenticeship program you're really in depth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i think it's also it's important to like i i see these kind of um apprenticeship programs or uh, any of these kind of things as initiations kind of mm. and like you know you, you you learn the ropes and how to go forward but you know really it's it's always up to the individual and the student to uh, continue their journey <laughs> it's very true and and I you know I was telling I, I have a level three who will be graduating next month and I was telling them that I was like you know it feels so you're like oh I'm at the end of my journey I'm graduating and I'm like actually you're at the beginning (laughs) (laughs) now it's like oh god now I have to really do the go out there and and do all this that I've studied and it feels like you're just starting out on a new journey just when you think that you're like done (laughs) so true Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners about your work and what you're excited about? Well, I'm excited about my, the so Sacred Vibes Apothecary turns 13. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's an incredible milestone giving what it takes to run a brick and mortar business (sighs) in New York City. (laughs) Um, Especially the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's been such a journey and I don't want to, um, I don't want to not celebrate like the way in which that needs to be celebrated. Cause I have a tendency to be like, yeah, that's great, but keep going. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just want to like pause and be like, wow, like, you know, we made it this far Mm -hmm. as an herbal shop. And I tell, I tell people all the time, I'm like herbalists, don't open up community apothecaries to get rich. They open community apothecaries because they want to serve because we're not going to get rich selling an ounce of herbs for three something really. It's not not marijuana. We like, you know, it's like peppermint. Like you're not going to get rich, like selling peppermint for $3 and something cents. It's really an opportunity. The reason that we open sacred is that because people didn't have access to herbal medicine in their community. And I was like seeing clients and wanting them not to go into the city. So I was like, let me just open in Brooklyn, an herbal apothecary. So with that being said, I'm 
really grateful for the support that our community offers and not even my apothecary, but it's so important to keep community apothecaries open in your neighborhood because they, they really are a central place where people can find so much information. And as we were talking about Isaac, there's a lot of misinformation on plants. And if, you know, the folks, the herbalists that are opening community apothecary are a resource to their community. And so, uh, yeah, just this is my this is my pitch to like support community apothecaries and keep them open forever because those are the places that some of us wandered into, you know, at some point in our life and was like, oh my gosh, like I'm in love. I fell and fall in love with herbalism. So yeah, um, supporting us and supporting the apothecary is really uh, uh, amazing from, you know, like the thing that I want to encourage folks to do. So you're going to have a party? Yes, we are. <laughs> We're actually going to have a party like we had our first year, which was kind of like a sidewalk party. Uh, we closed off the sidewalk and had a whole party. And that's what we're planning on doing. So let's pray that May is warm. <laughs> it's warmer than today. Let's hope that like May 1st. And it's the 1st of May. So it's also like, you know, a really uh, pivotal day. Um, yeah. yeah, I always think about Hawthorne too because May is like Hawthorne has all this like May bush, May thorn, May you know all uh, oh, yeah. the yeah the May festivities all around it. So yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. I love that. I'm so I'm so excited for you. Thirteen, yeah, that's a lucky number. <laughs> cool. For sure. Well, yeah, this has been amazing. Uh, we've been wanting to talk with you for a while, and, and uh, congratulations on the book. Um, it's beautiful, you know, on the on the apothecary and the new you, you put out. You're um, opening new uh, places too, the spice shop. Yeah, we have the Botanica, Sacred Botanica, and Sacred Spice, which is a spice shop, and then all of our magical uh, medicines are at the Botanica. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for being with us today. It was really fun getting to hear your stories and learn from you well thank you for having me and i'm so glad um that you reached out and yeah i enjoyed today also <laughs> awesome well thank you and have a nice rest of the day you too bye isaac <laughs> take care